Look at Second uh, Kings chapter 6. Look at verse 13. And he said, go and spy where he is. He's the, this is the, this is the uh, king of Syria. Go and spy where he is that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dothan. Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host. And they came by night and compassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, and host compassed compass the city both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? So Elisha and his, and his servant his are there and, and, and the king of Syria is, is encompassed them. He, he's going to come and kill them. He's going to come capture Elisha. They're after Elisha and the servant gets up and notice he gets up when? Early in the morning. The man of God was risen early. I, I'm going to point that out again to you. And he gets up and he looks around and he sees all the king of Syria's a whole, a whole host of army of the king of Syria. And of course it freaks him out and he says, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And Elisha, verse 16, and he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. <laughs> Amen. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about. Elisha. Amen. He prays and asks the Lord to open up the eyes of that servant. He's seen all of God's, all of God's angels surrounding the other king of Syria's army. I want to preach this morning. Are you sure? Are you sure you're not blind? I want to preach this morning. Are you sure you're not blind? Before we get going too far, though, go back up to verse eight. Let's look back at how Elisha and his servant got into this mess in the first place. Let's look back up at verse 8. Let's look at how Elisha and his servant got into the mess where they're surrounded by the king of Syria's army. Then the king of Syria warred against Israel, in verse 8, and took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. And the man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place, for thither the Syrians are come down. So this king of Syria is saying, okay, we're going to go over here, and we're going to move our troops over here. And he's basically giving his war orders, his commands to his, to his generals. But somehow or another, Elisha's finding out about it, and Elisha's going to the king of Israel and saying, hey, don't go over there. That's where the king of Syria is going to be. And the man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place, for thither the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him and warned him of and saved himself there, not once nor twice. So this has happened multiple times. So verse 11, Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing, and he called his servants and said unto them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? So he says there's a spy among us. Somebody's telling the king of Israel what I'm trying to do. And it's just, we're all right here. Somebody's spying for us. Will one of y'all tell me which one of us is the spy? Verse 12, and one of his servants said, None, my Lord, there's no spy among us, O king, but Elisha, the prophet that is in Israel, telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. Woo-wee. Elisha has a way of finding out what the king is saying, even in his bedchamber. Put your hand here and turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 10. Just Turn ahead to Ecclesiastes chapter 10, then we'll come back. I'm going to show you what's going on here. Turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 20. Some of y'all have heard this before. Y'all might not even realize it. Look what uh, Solomon says here. Curse not the king 
No, not in thy thought, and curse not the rich in thy bedchamber. Uh-oh. For the bird of the air shall carry the voice, and that which hath wings shall tell the matter. Somehow or another, the Spirit of God is listening to what the king of Syria is saying and telling Elisha, Holy Spirit's telling Elisha what the king of Syria is doing. Right there is in, in, verse, in verse 20 there in Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 20, that's what you've heard as a saying. You ever heard a saying uh, where somebody says, a little birdie told me? A little birdie. My mom used to do that to me. My mom would find out some wicked thing I had done, got into the cookie jar, did something like that. And I'd, I'd ask my mom, Mama, how'd, how'd you know about that? Mama, Mama would always smile and say, a little birdie told me. She just knew somehow. Now, she was looking around a corner or something like that, but she just knew somehow. But the warning there is that there's little, the bird, of course, is a type of a spirit, and the bird of the air will carry the voice, and that which has wings shall tell the matter. So, a little, so there's, there's evil spirits all around us. Don't ever, don't ever forget the spiritual side of things. There's unclean spirits. The Holy Spirit's living in us. The Holy Spirit can hear what's going on. So when you're telling all these secret things, when you're talking about secret things, you don't think anybody's listening to them, God's listening to them. Listen, there's secret things that God's going to hold you accountable for. Man, he's getting quiet in here. Even the baby heard that one. There's secret things God's going to hold us accountable for. You need to get this stuff under the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Man, you need to... You need, if, 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 there's no conspiracy theories with God. God knows exactly who killed JFK. God knows where Jimmy Hoffa's buried. God knows if there's a Bigfoot or not. This silly stuff that we get all worked up about, we, they made TV shows for like five seasons about Bigfoot. God knows exactly where Bigfoot is or if he even exists. There's nothing secret about God. God knows all your secrets too. And you're going to be held accountable for it. The Bible says, the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. Every place, Brother Keegan, every secret place you're hiding out at, God knows the evil and the good. His eyes are everywhere. There's in Romans chapter... 2, verse 16, in, that, in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. So it's going to come a day that God's going to judge the secrets of men. Do you have a secret you're keeping from everybody else? You're not keeping it from God. God knows about it. God knows about it. 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy, if you want to turn there with me, I'm going to read you a verse. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 24. This is one you're not going to want to hear this morning. Some men's sins are open beforehand. Some men, Paul says some man, men's sins are open beforehand. Some men you know are alcoholics. Some men you know are drunk. Some men you've seen are murderers, wife beaters. Some men, they have these open sins that they're committing that everybody can see, amen? Some men's sins are open beforehand. Going before to judgment. And some men, they follow after. Some of these men you see in suits and ties, they've got sins that God's going to reveal to everybody when they get up into heaven. You see these men walking around? And I tell people this all the time. People come to me and they, they have problems and they have troubles. And I try to tell them, and I can't stress to you enough this truth. Everybody has problems. Everybody has family problems. Everybody has problems in their life. Some people, though, are just better at hiding it than others. That's what I found as a pastor. I've had people come talk to me, and they've, they've done things or things that have happened in their life, and it, it, it's amazing. 
but they're good at hiding it. And some people, they're just not good at hiding it. They wear everything on their shoulder. It's gotten out. The secret's gotten out. And that's what Paul's talking about there in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 24. Some men's go, secret sins, they go beforehand. Hey, but some are after the judgment. Guys, the truth is that God knows what you're doing in your bedchamber. God knows what you're doing in your closet. God knows that what you're doing that your wife don't know about or your husband don't know about or your best friend don't know about or your mom or your dad. God knows all these things. And you will be held accountable for this stuff. There's a payday someday. All right, I got some good news for you. You can put all that stuff under the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You need to take those sins. You need to make sure you put them and confess them and get them underneath the precious blood of Jesus Christ. So when you, when you stand before God at the judgment seat of Christ, if you're a Christian, you don't have to answer for this stuff. You put it under the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That's why I support. Go back to 2 Kings chapter 6. Let's go back to 2 Kings chapter 6. So you need to get this stuff under the precious blood of Jesus Christ. I'm showing you these verses that, hey, this king of Syria, he couldn't understand how Elisha knows all this. Well, Elisha knows all this because God knows all this. Amen. Man, I'll be preaching and uh, my wife knows I don't talk to my, uh, I don't, I, I keep to myself, I had a full-time job. I'll be preaching and I'll, 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 somebody will catch me out that back door and they'll say, it was like you were following me all week. It's like you knew exactly what I was doing. And you were talking about that. It's, have you been listening to me and my wife's conversation? I've had a guy tell me that. And I'll, you know what I'll tell him? No, but I know a man who has. <laughs> Name's Jesus Christ. And he's speaking to your heart. Or I'll, I'll, somebody will catch me back there. You know when you said something, 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 something? I'll be like, yeah. And they'll say, well, this is what the Lord spoke to my heart. And they'll walk off and I'll think, I never said that. And I'll have to record, I never said that. Well, who said that? They, their heart. The Lord was speaking to their heart while I was preaching. The Lord knows what you need this morning. I don't know what you need. But God knows all these things. But if you've got some secret sins, guys, let me encourage you enough Get that stuff confessed. Get it under the precious blood of Jesus Christ because God promises he'll take those sins and cast them as far as the east is from the west. He's going to throw them behind his back. He'll never remember them. Hey, your wife might keep it in memory. Your husband might remember it. Your friends, the whole world might keep, keep it in memory. They might remember it. But with God, it's forgotten, long forgotten. And that's who you're going to be held accountable to. You're not going to be held accountable to all these people you're walking around. God's going to hold you accountable. Back in verse 13, let's move on because that's not even the sermon. And he said, go, verse 13, 2 Kings 6, 13. And he said, go and spy where he is. He wants to find Elisha. That's why he wants to find Elisha, that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, behold, he's in Dothan. Therefore send he thither horses and chariots and a great host. And they came by night and compassed the city about. When the servant of the man of God was risen early... And gone forth, behold, a host compassed the city both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? So this is what we were talking about earlier. What are we going to do? And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. So when he comes to get Elisha, Elisha's servant is scared, but Elisha says, you know what? He needs to have his eyes opened up. Are you blind this morning? Are you walking around spiritually blind? I'm talking to you Christians. Are you walking around spiritually blind? Has the world blinded your eyes? Are you not letting the Lord Jesus Christ show you some things? Are you just walking around blind? You need to pray, and hey, Lord, open my eyes so I can see some things. 
Believer, don't be spiritually blind. And what I mean by that is, don't ever forget the spiritual side of things. Don't ever forget the spiritual... When you watch the news, watch the news with spiritual eyes. When you see things moving in the world, when you see the whole world going against Israel, and it makes no sense, don't ever forget the spiritual side of the devil's hatred for Israel. Don't ever forget that stuff. When you see somebody commit some heinous, awful crime, he's like, how could anybody do that? Do not forget the spiritual side of demonism and somebody being demon-possessed and the devil driving a man and sin and 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 what the Bible tells us about what sin can do to a person, to me and you. We are spiritually blind. And this servant was spiritually blind. And Elisha says, hey, I pray thee open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man. And he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about. I wish I could have been there. But here they are with all these weapons. And then when, you, when then the Lord opens your eyes, you get to see all those angels standing around. How amazing that would be. How amazing that would be. I remember hearing a story of a of a young woman that she went into a church Bible study. And she went into a church Bible study, and they heard a commotion outside. And they went back outside, and this man was being arrested. And this man had tried to assault this woman out there in the parking lot. And this woman was going somewhere else. She wasn't going to the, to the Bible study. And they got to talking to this, the man that was, that was arrested, the guy that was trying to assault this woman. And they were talking to him and asking him, but why didn't, you just, why didn't you attack this woman here? There's a woman there that had just walked in before this other woman. And that, that man said, well, I was going to get her. I was going to get her, but when she, she walked into that Bible study, she had two big men walking on both sides of her. And I didn't want to mess with her. <laughs> she didn't have nobody walking in that Bible study with her. He's seen the angels protecting her. God opened that guy's eyes to say, hey, I've got her protected. You better leave her alone. Hey, God's got, God, God's got a hedge of protection he can build around you. You need to pray about this. Lord, build a hedge of protection around me. This is a hedge of protection you want around you. That's the kind of hedge of protection you want. Billy Graham's got a pretty good book he brought out years and years ago called Angels. Angels, angels, angels. And he's got a story in here I'm going to read you real quick. Something like this happened to a missionary. The Reverend John G. Patton, a missionary in the New, New Hebrides Islands, tells a thrilling story involving the protective care of angels. Hostile natives surrounded his mission headquarters one night, intent on burning the patrons out, the patents, excuse me, the patents out and killing them. John Patton and his wife prayed all during the terror-filled night that God would deliver them. When daylight came, they were amazed to see the attacker, attackers unaccountably leave. They thank God for delivering them. A year later, the chief of the tribe was converted to Jesus Christ. And Mr. Patton, remembering what had happened, asked the chief what had kept him and his men from burning down the house and killing them. The chief replied in surprise, Who were all those men you had with you there? The missionary answered, There were no men there, just my wife and I. The chief argued that they had seen many men standing guard, hundreds of big men in shining garments with drawn swords in their hands. They seemed to circle the mission station so the natives were afraid to attack. To attack. Only then did Mr. Patton realize that God had sent his angels to protect them. The chief agreed that there was no other explanation. There's a great testimony right there of God's protective hedge. This stuff happens today. 
When we get to heaven, guys, we're going to be amazed when we get to heaven when God shows us all the many times he protected us from breaking our leg, being in a car wreck, uh, being shot, killed, whatever could have happened to us, and God's protective hand was all around us. I thank the Lord for that. Because I know there's some of us that could give, could give testimonies of Brother Raymond has of just this close to being dead, this to- close to being killed, this close to having something happen to him. And just we were just so lucky that it didn't happen. There's no such thing as luck when it comes to God's hand was there protecting you. He had a purpose for you. He had something else he wanted you to do. Praise the Lord. We need to be thankful for that. So verse 17, and Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes. So you need to pray that. You need to pray, Lord, open your eyes, Christian. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Verse 18, and when they came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, Smite this people, I pray thee, with blindness. And he smote them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. So when they finally did decide to attack Elisha, they come on down towards Elisha, and Elisha says, Lord, just smite them with blindness. And boom, there was blindness. All this army walking around, blinded. This band come from king of Assyria, this all, this blinded. Elisha was an amazing man of God. And I'm about to show you something in a minute about Elisha that amazes me. It, it tells me why Elisha was so powerful. But when God took Elijah from Elisha, and Elisha wanted what Elijah had and more, God did give Elisha what Elijah had and more. Elisha is one of the greatest men you can read about in the Bible. When it comes to miracles... He did some crazy things. And here he just asked the Lord, Lord, blind them. And what's the Lord do? He blinds them. So I want to ask you a question this morning. If you're a non-believer, because now I've talked about believers being blind. Now I want to talk to non-believers. I want to talk to somebody in here that maybe is not a Christian that doesn't know Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior. Are you blinded? Are you blinded like these Syrian warriors? Are you blinded? You know, the Bible says that God can blind your eyes. He blinded the eyes of Israel. The Bible says in Romans chapter 11 that their eyes are blinded in part to the fullness of the Gentiles come in. God's blinded. That's why the Jews, if anybody should accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, it should be a Jew, amen? Amen. Jesus is a Jew. He's the greatest Jew. (laughs) He is the Jew. But they won't won't accept Him. They reject Him. And in most part, they reject Him. But you know, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 15, now turn there with me. Turn to Matthew chapter 15. I want to show you some of what Jesus Christ has to say. You can be blinded by God, but you also can be blinded by somebody else. Look at Matthew chapter... I, I encourage you, turn to this scripture. If you're not turning to any other scripture with me, turn to Matthew chapter 15, verse 14. I want to show you your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because some people don't know Jesus Christ. Oh, they know of Jesus Christ, and they've heard of Jesus Christ, and maybe they went to Sunday school and they heard some sweet Sunday school story of Jesus Christ, but they don't know the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ like what you're going to find in Matthew chapter 15, starting out around verse 12. Look at Matthew chapter 15, verse 12, because there's another way you can be blinded. And I encourage you to turn there. Now, this is the Jesus Christ that I know. This is the Jesus Christ that I fell in love with. This is the Jesus Christ that encourages me to preach Jesus Christ. (laughs) I love this Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ is giving them a hard time about what is coming out of their mouth. It defiles you. See verse 11. Not that which goeth into the mouth defileth the man, but that which cometh out of the mouth 
that defileth a man. And he's preaching to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and religious leaders. And look what the disciples say in verse 12. Then came his disciples and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? Jesus Christ offended somebody? Oh, yes, he definitely did. <laughs> Left and right, he offended people. Christian, you need to learn to offend some people. You need to be so on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ that you're offensive to people. Amen, 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 bro. I amen myself. Amen, Brother Kigan. Just be offensive to people. They don't mind offending you. <laughs> I'm offended all the time. This sweet sister here, we were just talking about this world's not even worth living in anymore. It's so offensive to me. Jesus Christ, he offended them. And they said, Lord, don't you know you offended them? Look what he says in verse 13. But he answered and said, every plant which my heavenly father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Uh-oh. Somebody's about to go to hell. Somebody's about to go to hell. Look at verse 14. This is it. This is the verse. Let them alone. Hey, leave them alone. Yeah, just leave them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall in the ditch. That's your Lord and Savior. I didn't say that. Jesus said that. He said they're blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, they both fall in a ditch. I got a question for you this morning. Are you being led by blind leaders? Are you blind being led by blind leaders? I think you are. Because I see a lot of blind leaders in the world. A lot of them. Amen. I see a lot of blind leaders in the world. I see Dawkins. I see ha Stephen Hawkins. I see science teachers. I see professors. I see the news media. I see a lot of blind leaders that are blind. But they're blind leaders of the blind. Are you following somebody blindly and not checking their facts? Are you following somebody blindly just because they're saying what you want them to say? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know you. Because I used to be one of you. You're not looking for the truth. You're looking for something that agrees with what you think. And those blind leaders give you somebody to follow. So they're blind leaders. And Jesus Christ says, let, the, let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall in the ditch. If you're following a blind leader, you're both going to go to hell. Amen. Amen. Are you blind this morning? Elisha says, strike them with blindness. God can blind you. Jesus Christ said you can be following blind leaders. That's one thing the Lord's got on me that's good on me is that I don't just follow blindly. I like to check things out. I don't like being told what to do. You can ask Joker at work. I don't like somebody telling me what to do. I want to find out for myself. But so many, so many people, they just want to believe something because somebody says it. Go find out. Check me out. That's why I encourage you, open your Bible, check me out. Because I can lie to you. I promise you, I can lie to you. I can twist the truth a little bit. You need to make sure you're not following a blind leader. You need to make sure you're following the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Blind leaders of blind, both shall fall in. That's the Jesus Christ. I like that Jesus Christ. The man's man, you know. He's not the Joe Osteen, you know. that Got the 5,000 people following, thousands of people following him. Never have seen this scripture in the Bible. Listen, I like Jesus Christ because he's a man's man. Amen. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Here's another way you might be blinded this morning. And I'm just showing you some scripture out of the New Testament how you might be blinded. Ephesians chapter 4. Here's another way you might be blinded. 
There's something else that can blind you. God can blind you. Your leaders, your leaders can blind you. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 18. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 18. There's something else that can blind you. And you might not even realize it. Verse 18. Having the understanding darkened, Paul writes. Being alienated from the life of God. Oh, there's life in God. See that? Being alienated from the life of God. You, don't, you think you have life right now, lost man or lost woman? You don't have any kind of life. I have life in God. And you're missing out. You don't realize how much you're missing. You're alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. You're ignorant of some things. Why is that? Because of the blindness of their heart. The blindness of their heart. Your heart can blind you. Your heart can blind you. You can start believing something. You want to believe something so bad in your heart, it'll blind you to the truth. I see this in the, what's going on in the culture and society with the beliefs of homosexuality and different beliefs of what people want, how people want to live and how, how they want to live their life. And they'll believe anything in their heart so they can keep living that. When I deal with Jehovah's Witnesses about hell and how hell is real and hell is hot and Jesus Christ talked about hellfire, I can see it in their eyes. I can see it in their face. It's a belief in their heart. There's no truth involved there. That's something they, they just don't want to believe that God would somebody, send somebody to hell. I had one tell me that. I just can't believe that God would send somebody to hell. Well, you don't know God. You don't understand the concept of heaven. Heaven wouldn't be heaven if we had the people in hell up in heaven. Heaven wouldn't be heaven with Hitler in it. You want Charles Manson? You want him up in heaven with you? Heaven wouldn't be heaven with Brother Keegan there. You need Brother Keegan cleansed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You need Brother Keegan with the righteousness of Jesus Christ on me. You need me with the sins forgiven. You need me up there as a new creature. in Jesus. You don't want Keegan up there. You want, Jesus, you want Keegan in Jesus Christ up there. That's how you want me up there. And that includes all of y'all too. We all love each other here because we're seeing each other for about 45 minutes to an hour. Amen. We get around each other for long enough, we'll probably have knives out stabbing each other after a while. Good Christian folk. Don't carry one. Amen, brother. You need to carry one, brother. You of all people need a knife, brother. <laughs> Your heart can deceive you. The Bible says in Jeremiah that the heart is deceitful and above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Your heart is wicked, and it can make you believe something that's not true. Is your heart blinding you? And let me show you one more about your heart. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and then we'll close up. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. There's one other person that can blind you. You can be blinded by God, and oh, God forbid that be true. Can you, can, can you imagine you get so far away from God that He just, he just blinds you? That'd be awful. You can be blinded by your leaders. You can be blinded by your own heart. And look at this one in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. But look at verse 3 to get the context. But if our gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. If you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, it's hid from you. Somebody's hiding it from you. Why are they hiding it from you? Look at verse 4. And whom the God, lowercase g, of this world. Who's the God of this world? Satan, the devil. He's the lowercase g of it. He's the one that's running this world. That's why it's so messed up. That's why me and the sister could talk about, Sister Jesus could talk about how we don't want to live in this world anymore because it's run by the devil. God doesn't have anything to do with this mess. Jesus Christ isn't reigning right now on the earth. It wouldn't be like this if he was. 
but in whom the God of this world hath blinded. Look, he's the one blinding the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Somebody's keeping the truth from you. This cherubim, this being, Satan, the devil, he's blinded you and hid from you the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. It is hid. I turn on the TV, I don't see the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, I see people say, God this and God that, and you'll be in my thoughts and prayers. And I see people say, please send me a thousand dollars and God will give you back ten thousand dollars. But I rarely everybody, hear anybody say, you're a sinner going to hell and you need Jesus Christ. Amen. And Jesus Christ said, you're, if you believe, you're not condemned. If you believe not, you're condemned already. I never hear them say that stuff. Oh, God wants you to have the best. God wants you to have a mansion or a new car. God wants you to have this and God wants... No, God wants you to have Jesus Christ. And outside of anything else, that's just an extra. God wants you, above all else, to have Jesus Christ. You know, I preached this. It wasn't, I was preaching this about Jesus Christ and how they brought him the sick man on the, of palsy. And they brought him on the bed. The very first thing our Lord and Savior did was say, Your sins be forgiven. He didn't heal him. He didn't get him up. He said, your sins be free. It was a spiritual healing he needed. Way before physical healing. The thing you need is Jesus Christ. But the devil's hitting from you. He's hitting from you out of the news, with the papers, with the books, with TV, music, movies, everything. The devil's doing everything he can to get you to think about anybody but Jesus Christ. And if he does bring up Jesus Christ, he wants you to think that uh, he really wasn't real or maybe he slept with Mary and Magdalene and Jesus. It's not the real Jesus. Or he'll give you this Jesus that's nothing more than a homosexual. Jesus walking around with his limp wrist and with, with a flower in his hair and this queer Jesus. That's not that Jesus was a man's man. Amen. A resurrected Jesus is the one I'm talking about. A glorified Jesus, the one that came up from the grave. The Jesus I'm talking about said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. There ain't another way. It's Jesus or hit the highway. So don't tell me, oh, there's this many ways to God. There's only one way according to Jesus Christ. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians, I mean 2 Kings chapter 6. Let's close this up. So you see, you might be blinded. You might be blinded by God. You might be blinded by your leaders. You might be blinded by your own heart. You're for sure being blinded by Satan. He's doing everything he can to blind you from the glorious gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And you might be listening to me say, okay, well, preacher, what's the answer? You're talking about how all this bad stuff going on. Well, what's the answer? The answer is to pray for the truth. Pray for the truth. You don't have to be a Christian to pray. Say, God, I don't know if I even believe in you, God, but if you're real, show me the truth. Now, say that honestly. Don't say it with a deceived heart. Don't say it like, well, show me the truth. Like, I want, no, say, Lord, any way I can get it, I just want the truth. What was that uh, Jack Nicholson said in the movie? You can't handle the truth, you know. That's the way a lot of them are. They can't handle the truth, so they don't want the truth. God, I don't know if you're real or not, but if hell is real or heaven is real or Jesus Christ is real, just show me the truth. If you pray that prayer sincerely, 
whoo, your life's about to change. Now, I'm not saying you're going to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, but when God knows you want the truth, He's going to give it to you right down your throat. Jesus Christ said, Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. I just want the truth. I don't want the truth according to Brother Keegan. I don't want the truth according to some other preacher or pastor or some other denomination, Baptist or Catholic or Methodist. I don't want the truth by the way somebody wants to give it to me. I just want the pure and unadulterated truth. Just give me the truth. And Jesus Christ said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And then Jesus Christ went on to say in the same scripture, said, if the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Jesus Christ said, I am the truth. That's the truth. Father, sanctify them with thy truth. Thy word is truth. Jesus said that. So just pray for the truth. My personal testimony is when my kids go off and do things wrong. I have some teenager kids. Well, they're not teenagers. They're in their early 20s, and they mess up. They screw up. They do all kinds of things that don't, I know that's not right with God, and I pray, God, this is how I pray, because you can't control them. God's given us a free gift, amen, of free will. That's a great gift. I can't control them, but I can pray this, and I pray this almost every day. I say, Lord, when I get on my hands and knees, I say, I pray, Father, show them the truth. Show them the truth. And that prayer has worked out for me and my wife. One of our kids went off, did some things they shouldn't have been doing, and we just prayed, show them the truth. Show them the truth. And it's amazing how they call you up and say, blah, blah, blah. And they tell you this, and you're, you're thinking, yeah, now you're seeing the truth. That's what you need to pray. Pray for your loved ones that are lost. Pray for yourself. Lord, just show me the truth. Back in 2 Kings chapter 6. He struck them with blindness, verse 19, and Elisha said unto them, verse 19, this is not the way, neither is this the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. But he led them to Samaria. And it came to pass when they were coming to Samaria that Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men, and that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes, and they saw, and behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. Uh-oh, Elisha didn't take them to where he, they thought they were being took to Elisha. Elisha took them back to the king of Israel, to the enemy. Right in the midst of the enemy camp. Uh-oh, that's not good. Verse 21, And the king of Israel said unto Elisha when he saw them, My father, shall I smite them? Shall I smite them? Let's kill them. Let's kill them. Do you want me to kill them? Can we kill them? Says it twice. This guy's bloodthirsty. And look at verse 22, And he answered, Thou shalt not smite them. That's what Elisha says. Wouldst thou smite those whom thou hast taken captive with the sword and with the bow, with thy bow? Set bread and water before them, that they may eat and drink and go to their master. And he prepared great provision for them. Makes a big feast for these guys. And when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away, and they went to their master. So the bands of Syria came no more into the land of Israel. So Elisha, makes, Elisha and the king of Israel makes this big feast, feeds the enemy, Gets them ready, sends them on the way, and man, they just walk out with their tail between their legs and their head down. What do you say? You know what my aunt used to call it? Kill them with kindness. Kill them with kindness. Shall I kill them? Shall I smite them? Shall I smite them? Yeah, smite them. Smite them with kindness. Let's feed them and give them something to drink. What do you do then when your enemy... 
gives you something to drink and gives you don't you hate that when somebody you don't like does something nice for you? Be honest. You don't I hate that. When somebody I don't really care for does something really nice for me, don't that make you feel uncomfortable? <laughs> I guess me and Brother Raymond don't want to feel that way. Thank you, brother. I don't like that. They're killing me with kindness. Paul says, Romans, this is Romans chapter 12, verse 20. Therefore, if thy enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. That's just what Elisha did to him. Paul goes on to say, Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. That's what Jesus taught us. Love your enemies. Feed them. Give them something to drink. See how great a man Elisha was? Elisha was such a wonderful, spirit-filled, godly man that his very bones were raising people from the dead. That's amazing. Elisha's, some dead man was thrown on Elisha's bones and the guy came back to life. That's what kind of man Elisha was. Now you're seeing why. Because when he had a chance to kill his enemies, he fed them and that's what God does to you. See, while you were an enemy with God, that's when he decided to die on the cross for you. He didn't wait for you to get right with him. He said, I'll go and die for him while they hate me and are spitting on me and whipping me and trying to kill me. And when they put me on the cross, I'll look down and say, forgive them. They know not what they do. See, that's the Jesus I'm talking about this morning. See, look up at verse, in closing, look up at verse 19 in closing. And Elisha said unto them, this is not the way. Are you blinded going the wrong way? Ah, yeah, you are. This is not the way, but I know the, well, I know the way. Neither is the city, but follow me. Listen, follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. You might not realize it, but you're seeking a man. You might not realize it, but you're seeking a man, and I know the man you're seeking. His name is Jesus Christ. And if you'll follow me and allow me to open up a Bible, I'll show you. I'll show you the way. And it's not through me, it's through the Lord Jesus Christ. And when I met this man, somebody showed me the way, and I was blinded, and somebody showed me the way, and they brought me to this man, and I received this man as my Lord and Savior. And I'm going to tell you something right now. Listen, you might not believe a word of this, but this is true. I got up off my knees, and I've never, ever been the same. And I've never regretted it. You know what's even more amazing to me is as wicked as I am, even to this day, I stand before you as a wicked sinner. The Lord's been so good to me. He's, he's been wonderful. I mean, my testimony is, why is God so good when I don't deserve all his goodness? And to think that when I take my last breath, I'm going to wake up in the arms of Jesus in heaven? And I didn't do nothing? <laughs> nothing. That's just the kind of love he has for us. And the Bible tells us he loved you that way while you were yet a sinner, while you were yet an enemy. He loves you. And you're blinded to that love. See, you think you're, you're looking for love in all these wrong places. You're looking for love in all these, and God's blind, and the devil's blinded you, and the love's right there in front of you. You could be on a bed. You could be in a closet. You could be laying in a hospital this morning. You just need to call out to Jesus. It's right there, all the love you could ever imagine. It's on the tip of your tongue. If you should confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. See, the mouth is going to show where your heart's at. Amen. And if your heart's on Jesus Christ, it's going to come right out and say, Lord, I want to be saved. Will you save me? I see that you're the truth. 
If you do it like that, the best way you know how, <laughs> you'll be saved. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for loving us. Oh, Lord, your love is amazing. Father, I, I, I hear the word love thrown around, but that, I, I can't even describe the love you have for me, Lord. You've shown me over and over and over again, Father, and I thank you for it. Lord, I thank you simply for a place called heaven that's waiting for me, Lord God. I thank you for my loved ones that you put up there in heaven, Father, that are waiting for me and the great reunion we're going to have. Lord, I can't wait, Lord. Lord, I know you've left me down here for a reason, Lord. You left these people down here for a reason that are saved, Lord God. Give us a purpose, Father God. Give us something to do for you, Lord. We know the harvest is out there, Lord. We, you need more laborers, Lord God. Now, Father, give us, give us the strength, Lord, to get out there and hand out tracts, to tell other people about Jesus Christ. Let's give the simple testimony about how good you've been to us, Lord. And, Father, if there's somebody beneath the sound of my voice that doesn't know the love of God, they don't know your love, Lord, I pray that they'll come down here and that, down, down to the altar, Lord God, and talk to me. We'll get, we'll get them saved, Lord God. You'll save them. I'm praying all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church. Are you sick and tired of this world? Are you sick and tired of this life that you're living? Did you know that God has a free gift for you? It's the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Have you ever received this gift? You know a gift can be offered but not received. You can bow your head and ask Jesus right now to save you and give you his free gift of eternal life. Now you might ask, how do I know he'll give me this free gift? Because I did the same thing because I bowed my head knowing I'm a sinner and asked him to save me and he did. And I've never been the same. And this life with Jesus is a thousand times better than anything this world can offer me. Now we would love to hear from you if you want to contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. Until next time. Casting your care upon him.